Hey everybody, welcome back to the Be Your Own Bank podcast. It's the last podcast of the year, and so we are going to do a very special weekly roundup recap. Hey guys, thanks for tuning back in. That's right, we're doing a recap of the top 10, in our opinion, um, best stories or things that have hit the crypto sphere this year. So we want to start with uh, number 10 which is that Bitcoin surpassed a $1 trillion market cap. The whole market cap of crypto over $2 trillion, which is a big deal. <clears throat> to some, maybe not, but to us it is because it just shows that crypto has really made a name for itself and that it is here to stay in a global market. I mean, it's huge. And, you know, yeah. like it's the fact that now we look at Bitcoin and I remember back in like what, 2016, when it surpassed gold at like value, you know, when gold was like 1600 bucks and Bitcoin's like, oh, see you later. And so like that was big, but like $1 trillion market cap, that's, that's bigger than a lot of companies, maybe not like Apple and, um, you know, Tesla and those guys, but it's, it's top 10, right? Yeah, I think it's interesting that you say that because it, it really has put itself up there with some of these huge companies that we see as blue chip stocks or companies that are here to stay virtually forever. Right. So Apple's Apple's overall market cap is almost at three trillion, which the whole crypto market almost hit this past year. Yeah. Um, and Bitcoin is actually in the top 10 of of most valuable companies, if Bitcoin was a company, um, it's in the top 10. It's actually number eight, uh, wow. just behind uh, Facebook, surprisingly, right. yeah. or Meta Platform, <laughs> it's called now, and just above NVIDIA, which is a uh, computer parts company, mostly graphics cards. Right. So it's 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 there. It's well, and there. don't you think Nvidia's <laughs> gone up in value because of Bitcoin? Because oh, all the mining machines and all that, right? Yeah, absolutely, without a doubt. I mean, with all the mining and people buying graphics cards to mine Bitcoin, Nvidia has has gained incredible profits off the backs back of Bitcoin. So, I mean, we talk about the the value of it, and that you know, gold is what eleven trillion right now. Actual uh, gold? Actually, yeah, it's. I think it's around ten trillion. And, mm -hmm. and gold's been around forever, right? Since since the inception of Earth, back, since the inception back of four billion universe. years ago, right? <laughs> so yeah. you know, gold being valued at eleven trillion, that market, you know, now if Bitcoin got to that eleven trillion, we've talked about it previously, is that now that's ten times what it's worth now. So. um that seems like half a million dollar Bitcoin is a possibility. And that's what people don't always understand is we are talking about that. That is a consideration. And the fact that it's grown so much and we're in the top 10 of market cap already, it just goes to show you that like, wow, this is uh, something that can, can continue to fly. Yeah. And we can't, we can't disregard the fact that it's success is overwhelming and that um, not only are we as individuals getting invested in it, but institutions are jumping on board as well, which is our, our number nine most important part of this past year is institution adoption. Um, and I'm not just talking about um, companies, but also governments. So specifically China, they have banned, we talked about that, they banned Bitcoin, they banned trading. It's for all intents and purposes, illegal. 
However, they own over $10 billion worth of Bitcoin, the government itself. Right. And they're designing their own central bank digital currency to, to, to work as a, a stable coin um, because they see the value of blockchain, even though they don't want their country doing what they please with it. Right. Well, and when you say central bank digital currency, we're talking about a basically one for one dollar coin. So whoever your dollar is, whatever country you're you're from, is that would be a dollar backed dollar by fiat currency and turning that into a digital dollar, which as we know, a digital dollar has more features than a standard dollar because it can it can be spread as fast as the internet, the speed of the internet. Absolutely. And China sees the value of that. They are kind of the trailblazers for this pilot program of, of bringing the digital yuan to, to existence and, and it's succeeding. And so all these other governments, especially the United States are like, we need to, we need to get on board. We need to be competitive in this digital space race. Additionally, we have companies like Square that own, or I believe own Cash App. Is that correct? Square started Cash App. Oh, I don't know. I, I think I think so. And then um, big retail companies like Adidas and Nike getting into the game, investing large sums of money, but also trying to get into this NFT world where they can bring their, their product, bring their brand um, recognition to this infinite digital space and try to try to expand that. So we're talking big companies are investing real money into the crypto sphere, into blockchain, into the technology, as well as the currency. So eventually it's going to be ubiquitous if they're already getting into it and they have lots of money. I mean, it's only in the next logical step that everybody else is going to, going to follow suit. Well, and, and like we said, Apple, right? Biggest company in the world, almost 3 trillion the CEO himself said, yes, I invest in Bitcoin. So these are, you know, the top brass of the, the commerce world are seeing the value. They're putting money in and this is only going to grow the overall value of the market. Why we're seeing a trillion dollar market cap plus and why the staying power is there. But also remembering, right, $1 trillion and 2.2 as it is right now, trillion for the whole market is still low because the, low. the U.S. stock market, you know, when you think of the U.S. stock market, which is tried and true over 100 years old, that's $50 trillion. So if the crypto market, which is a global entity, is only $2.2 trillion, that's a huge room for growth. And... You know, we when we're again talking about Bitcoin rising to the price of you know a hundred thousand dollars, two hundred thousand dollars, a million dollars, it's not out of the question because of this deflationary, because of the investment globally, because of just the adoption itself. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we're gonna see. I believe in the next you know five to ten years, Bitcoin being the number one asset class, being above Apple in terms of market cap, it's going to be number one because there's just so many ways that money can influx into it and it is, it's deflationary. So value is just going to keep going up as demand goes up because supply is going to, going to stay the same or go right. down. Yep. Yep. Well, and now there's now going to our, our next number, number eight 
is the stock market. Is the stock market's taking note of crypto. Um, the Coinbase IPO was this year. Where, for those of you who don't know, an IPO is an initial public offering. So the first time that a company offers stock to the people, basically, is an IPO. Similar to an ICO, initial coin offering in the crypto space. But Coinbase being on the stock market is a huge you know, move forward so that now people can invest in the company that owns 12% of the total global crypto assets. Not owns, but they manages. They have custody of 12% of all correct, crypto. Correct, correct. So Coinbase is a publicly traded company now. And um, now uh, also this year, the uh, futures-based Bitcoin ETF launched. So lots of, yeah, well, what's an ETF? Exchange Traded Fund. It's another, you know, similar to a mutual fund, uh, but publicly traded on the stock market. So now it's just, it's it's becoming part of, of the culture now. It's commonplace. It's, it's getting easier to invest in crypto with less volatility. So that's huge. You know, it's going to be continue to grow and it's going, there's going to be more offerings if, as soon as regulation, you know, comes into place and comes into play, then more people are going to be able to access it. But right now, those two things happening this year were huge. Yep. Absolutely. Making it, making it commonplace, making it just a part of the, the commerce, the, the economic vernacular. Yep. Yep. It's here to stay. Um, of course, in a less serious note, number seven, we have to talk about meme coins. Uh, this was the year of the meme coin. Yes. Some good, some awful. Right. As as any new thing is, we're going to have, you know, the winners and we're going to have the really risky losers. So number one, of course, is Dogecoin. Personally, we didn't, Gabe and I didn't think Never much thought. of it that it was going to nope. do much. But, mm-hmm. you know, when you put the richest man in the world in the, you know, the front front runner seat saying, hey, this is this is a great coin. You should buy it. People are going to listen. And so right. Dogecoin really took off. It's now become a commonplace coin that that could be here to stay. It's here to stay. I, I, I never thought I would say that, but it yeah. is. And so, you know, and, and, and the nice thing is it's cheap to to transact. So whereas where it's a clone of Bitcoin, it's the same blockchain. It was created as a joke, but joke all the way to, I think it's like $22 billion valuation now, which is like top 10 coin. Like you can't refute that. You can't like, it's, uh, it's here to stay for sure. Yeah. But not on the other side. Um, we do have to look at the meme coins that are Definitely not here to stay, which uh, my favorite was Squid Games coin yeah. um, based off of the the Netflix series that, you know, was the most watched Netflix series of all time currently. So far, um, they created a meme coin based off of it. And in a week, it went up six million percent and down just as much. So it shows that there is still a lot of volatility in some of these newer coins. But that's not what it, not the fact that it was a newer coin. That was a rug pull. That was a, absolutely. That was a joke. That was, Hey, give me, give us your money. This is truly the Ponzi scheme of, of the crypto space. So that's what you do have to watch out for. You have to be careful of those because they seem like a good idea because, Oh, it went up 6 million percent. 
if it's too good to be true, chances are it probably is. So you're going to get on late to something like that. You're going to lose your money and, you know, only risk what you're willing to lose, of course, but it's not fun to lose. So be careful. Just be careful of stuff like that, which seems like a joke because you can create a cryptocurrency very easily. And that's a good thing, but it's also a bad thing. So you have to be careful. Yeah. And I think one of the new ones uh, just today uh, is called Baby Squid Game, and it's up 1,300%. So that is definitely not going to be one that has any sort of staying power. Um, Plus, by the time you try to sell it, and who are you going to sell it to? You know, like there might not be somebody to sell it to. That's the problem. There's a lot of these you have to go through, you know, six different sources using your Ethereum gas fees to purchase this item. And then once you have it, the chances of you being able to return that are are low if it's not on an exchange. You know, that's why it's much safer to invest in coins that are on exchanges. If it's on multiple exchanges, even better. That means there's higher liquidity, it means there's more that you can buy and sell. So just watch out for those. I think there was, you know, people were just trying to get rich quick a lot, you know, and it happens in every market, but specifically this year, I think there were tons and tons of them. I mean, just Shiba Inu, Floki yep. Inu, all the Inu coins. Yep. I'm uh, surprised. Dogelon Mars. Yep. Uh, Come Rocket. You know, I'm sure you got in yeah. on that and that went to the moon too. So <laughs> just be careful. To the moon and then into the ground. Um, number six, we have to talk about. El Salvador again, they are the spearhead country of Bitcoin. They made it a legal tender in their country. They're mining it with volcanic energy. They're really just going hard at it. Um, They aren't a a first world country uh, and they see the value and the potential economic cultural equalizer that Bitcoin can and will be. Right, right. Is that they're they're doubling down on the fact that they see this as the future. Their economy isn't working that well. So to hedge their bets a little bit and to, you know, the only issue has been so far as the uh, with the adoption is the fact that the education piece has been lacking. So hopefully they will, you know, try to boost that a little bit so that their their people understand what Bitcoin is, understand what crypto is, and then hopefully they will be the case study that proves to work out and accumulate wealth as a country and distribute better and lift themselves up. I mean, it's, it's a really cool idea and the principle is right. And if they execute it correctly, which isn't difficult, I mean, if we say that Bitcoin is going to raise in value, there's not a lot of work that has to be done and they continue to buy more bitcoins as you know on the dips and things so i think they're playing it well i just think they could do it a little better by educating their people about what this actually means for them in the long run yeah i think that's a really good point um number five sports arenas oh that was huge huge this year actually huge, huge the biggest very very recent too i feel like Um, but yeah, now we, with all these exchanges that are blowing up, making tons and tons and tons of money off of trades and NFTs and staking rewards, um, because they have so many more clients, they now are able to advertise and branch out. So we have crypto.com stadium, formerly the staples center. Like, come on, that's huge. 
the fact that yep. the Staples Center, like everybody knows the Staples Center. Now it's the Crypto.com Stadium and for the next 20 years. So you better get used to it. FTX. They bought an arena as well. Yep. The Miami Heat. Yep. And then, of course, now we have all these athletes that are trying to get on board with NFTs, with taking a portion of their salary in crypto. Tom Brady. Yep. As he's an FTX crypto ambassador. Part owner, too, of FTX. So he signed a contract. And I got to give Tom Brady credit. I'm not a, not a huge fan. He is the GOAT, of course. But the, now I'm a fan. <laughs> I'm a fan because he's a fan of crypto, because he sees the value. He understands that he gets a, a, you know, a shareholder's percentage of the company. Like He's not a dumb guy. I never thought he was, but he's a lot smarter to be doing this now because of, of his reach and because everybody worships him. Now they're going to listen to crypto. And I think too, with the MLB, they, uh, the official crypto sponsor of the MLB was FTX. And they even uh, gave out money for every home run during the World Series. Like, this is huge. You're seeing it just, it, it's, it's commonplace. It's, it's in everything now. And it's, you can't avoid it. Like, well, commercials and everything. We're moving away from speculation. This is, this is now the endorsement phase. We right. have, you know, these big companies that are endorsing athletes, endorsing influencers, um, because they know that this product is going to sell and they can leverage that with, you know, people that will get the word out and get people onboarded. Right. Um, and then, yeah, also FTX uh, is getting into the gaming world too. They, they endorsed, uh, uh, I believe it's TSM. They, they bought naming rights for, you know, $200 million over the next 10 years. So this isn't little money. This is, this is big, big, big money that um, is just going to keep growing. Right. Yeah. Uh, number four, we've got the rise of decentralized finance, DeFi, and centralized finance. This year, we saw a lot of money flooding into DeFi projects, um, even just speculative DeFi projects, as well as um, centralized crypto banks like Celsius and Nexo and BlockFi, um, who are offering huge interest rates on a, a wide variety of cryptocurrencies just for holding it with them. Yeah, and you say huge interest rates. I mean, you you know, four to six percent is huge comparatively, right? Yeah, you know, I like, should say comparatively. Yeah, it's yeah. it's not really that huge, but it's nice, and you're getting paid out in crypto. So DeFi and CFI, decentralized finance, centralized finance is your online bank. So your online bank that's actually paying you a competitive interest rate to hold your money. Whereas with your bank, your Wells Fargo, your U.S. Bank, Bank of America, those guys are holding your money hostage, you know, like you're, you're getting 0.01% interest. Why would you ever give your money to an institution, which is what it is, an institution that it has shareholders that they're beholden to, you know, they're charging fees like crazy, you know, they're, they're doing whatever they want because that's the old system. The new system is decentralized and centralized finance where you can put your money onto a platform. You get paid interest in crypto 
And then you can take it out within 24 to 48 hours and turn it back into US dollars. It's it's a totally different system that's actually giving you a return on your investment because in your regular bank, you're making 0.01% interest. <laughs> you're losing money because inflation is two to 3%. And right now it's over 6%. So think about it. It's, it's, it's a huge thing and it's billions and billions of dollars on a daily basis is going in and out of these banks. So they're here to stay and they're really incentivizing people to let them, you know, be the custodians of, of their finances. Well, and we've moved away from this, this huge risk piece of crypto of holding it in centralized um, exchanges back in the day, there was a risk that, you know, hacking could happen and we could lose all our money. So of course the bank is the safer option because you're FDIC insured, but now these centralized banks have immense security features that, I mean, Coinbase in particular, 98% of your money is stored offline. It's unhackable. It's unhackable. So there's safety, there is security and trust, yep. which banks, you know, for the most part offer. And so we're just transposing that to the crypto world. You know, of course there's still volatility, but we can trust that our money for the most part is safe in those, um, in those institutions and that the interest that we're getting is, you know, worth, worth the risk. Well, and, and that they're the custodians. So if, if we are going to, you know, put our money with them, that we can trust them that they have our back in case there is something that happens, right? Is that 2% is negligible and they'll be able to cover that no problem. So you don't need an FDIC company to take care of that because they've already, they've already managed those risks for you. Yeah. I think that's a really good thing to point out is that FDIC is, is to help manage risk. Well, when the risk has been, you know, reduced to a nominal amount. Now we don't, we don't have a need for an FDIC anymore. And you're actually, you have more risk in your bank if you're losing a percentage of your True. investment on a, on a yearly basis. So it's slowly draining you, whether you see that in the numbers it, that you won't, but you will see it in buying power. So if you're using the rule of 72 to, you know, make your investment based on the percentage. So 72 divided by your annual percentage rate. So let's say 72 divided by nine means eight years, you will double your portfolio through the rule of 72. If you're getting 0.01% minus 3%, now you're negative percentage annually. So you're negative and you're going to double your money every 8,000 years. And yeah. I don't have time for that. How many, how many years? 8,000 at 0.01%. Yeah. So not <laughs> worth it. Um, Number three, we can't have a, a year in review without talking about Mr. Elon himself. Of course. Tesla, his main, one of his main companies, aside from SpaceX, invested $1.5 billion into Bitcoin. And he's going to be sending Doge to the moon. We talked about this. But he also sent it to the moon. I mean, the minute he tweeted it, it went to the moon, like from sub one penny to, I think it was close to 70 cents. It almost hit 70 cents. You know, yeah. and then he was on SNL and mentioned Doge and within five minutes, it crashed 20%. Five <laughs> minutes. That's how, that's how much power this man has. So, 
I mean, love him or hate him, I love him. I think he's great. I think he's doing doing some good stuff. He's he's the best troll on Twitter. Like he's so much fun to follow <laughs> because he doesn't care. He's the richest man in the world. He doesn't care what people think of him. You know, and and I I respect that. I think he's he's adopted crypto and he he cares about the the technology, he cares about the community, and I think he's only good for crypto in my opinion. Overall, yeah. yeah. I think that's true. Um moving down the list, number 2, regulations. So crypto has been regulated throughout the past few years. Now we are moving towards more succinct, understandable regulations that will help not only with taxes, but also with investors, with institutions, so that it's clear, it's concise, it's easy. We can all get in without having to worry about you know the red tape. And so the chair of the feds, Powell, no intention of banning crypto like some of these other countries have. And like we talked about, eight of the there's six of the top crypto executives were, were called to Capitol Hill to talk about what's going on, what needs to happen, how we can make this language more clear to better regulate it. Well, and that was what was so huge was, you know, having these experts, having these, you know, nerds, for lack of a better term, on Capitol Hill, answering questions, being polite you know, having an adult conversation about finance and and where the U.S. stands, um, you know, in in the financial world, right? Is that now we have the opportunity to to embrace crypto and embrace the power of internet money and uh, and continue the dollar dominance around the world. And if we decide not to. We're at risk of losing out to China, you know, to, to these bigger countries who are making moves. And if we choose not to, that's at our own detriment. Yep, absolutely. And so I, I think we're moving in the right direction. I think there are a lot of leaders that are on the right side of history. It's just now making sure that we are moving efficiently and quickly to get these regulations done right so that we don't hinder progress, um, that we don't hinder the development of the crypto space in the way that it needs to go. Yep. And then finally, we have to talk about the metaverse, the rise of the NFTs. NFTs are blowing up. They, they started to blow up in, in, 2021. And I think this is going to continue into 2022. I think next year is going to be probably the year of the NFT, um, but less about collecting and more about utility. I think we're going to All move right, so, from so go into that a little bit more. Like yeah. let, we NFTs thrown around so much nowadays. I think that's the biggest issue is that people are like, well, I don't understand it. I don't care to understand it. It seems to get more complicated on a daily basis. Oh, and, yeah. uh, and it seems like another one of these meme coin situations. And I, I think some of it is absolutely. Some of it's just like someone taking a picture, uploading it as an NFT, you know, Maybe it's a family portrait or, you know, all your, all your Christmas cards as an NFT collection. Um, you know, we started with crypto kitties and we've got, now we've got crypto punks, some of which are selling for millions of dollars. So wh why does this matter? Right. 
I think one of the big things with NFTs is the ability to create digital ownership. Right. That's what people um, may not understand, but digital, the digital world is here. It's just going to keep growing. You know, Facebook is trying to be on the cusp of that because they, they changed their name to meta. They want to be the, the dominant force in this. And when we, yeah. And when we talk about the metaverse, it's this, it's this new virtual reality, augmented reality where, you know, people are on their computers constantly, right? That's not going to change. So no, it's, you're going to interface with people on a daily basis. You already do. But I mean, since the pandemic and everything, it's kind of exacerbated the situation. And so now people are going to be not only escaping into the world of, of virtual, but they will be learning how to live in that world and how to, you know, create ownership in this world and, in this and monetize world. the world and monetize the world because and they're going to make money off of virtual land ownership. We have virtual yep. real estate that's already selling for tens of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars in some cases, because it allows people to have ownership of this space and do what they want with it. They can they can curate their own their own experience that people then can pay for or be a part of, but it, it gives people the power over their content. And so um, what, what I think we're going to see coming up is, is, and Gary V talked about this um, is within the next 15 years, he said, everything, every contract will be an NFT everything will be digital so that you can prove your ownership um, of virtually anything on the blockchain. Well, and I think it's cool too, is that, you know, the ownership piece of it is now we rely on these gatekeepers to have ownership of our content, right? Is that this idea of web 2.0 that we live in right now, where we are creating content, but it's up to Google, it's up to Facebook, it's, you know, up to these third party platforms, GoDaddy, all of these places where you really don't own things, you're renting them from some big company, some big conglomerate. And so now the idea of this web 3.0 or the metaverse is that you are going to be able to live in a world where you can own something. And when you pass that off or sell that to somebody and then they decide to turn around and sell that, then you maybe get a percentage of that because you are still the owner. You know, you were the original owner. So now we can pass value on for generations and still, you know, have those residuals, if you will in, in, in property, in intellectual property. Yeah. Especially with the, the music industry, you know, an artist can have ownership. Um, they can create digital labels. They can, they can sell, sell their content and, and, you know, get cut out, cut out the middleman of, you know, Spotify and, and their label company so that not only do they have proof of ownership of their content, but their fans, right their fans have ownership of their content as well. And it's sort of this symbiotic relationship that's now formed versus this sort of parasitic type of, you know, this big record label or Apple music is, is going to decide how much your content is worth versus the community. Right. 
Yep. So we're going to see a lot, a lot more metaverse. We're going to see a lot, a lot of it in gaming. Um, there's several uh, games that are coming out um, that everything is NFT. Every piece of content in the game is an NFT and people will be able to play to earn. They'll be able to have ownership of in-game content, sell it, trade it, um, lend it, whatever. And then turn it uh, into crypto. And turn it into crypto, turn it Which into value. then can turn it into US dollars or mm-hmm. yuan or rubies or whatever, you know, like that's the point is that now we're taking this financial system, this monetary policy, and we're moving it into a digital sphere and you can purchase items in the virtual world as well as the regular, you know, world. So it, it makes it easier for everybody to transfer wealth to accumulate wealth and to, I guess, understand wealth. That's, that's the coolest part of this is that there's everybody will have to adopt this at some point. And the people who can understand it the best will be able to utilize it the best. Well, I I think one thing that kind of puts it all into perspective, I was watching a video the other day. It was, it was an interview with David Letterman and uh, Bill Gates. You can look it up. And he was just interviewing Bill Gates about the internet and about how kind of preposterous David Letterman thought it was at the time. This was, was back in what, 1990, out. something like that. I, uh, I don't know the time frame of the but circa of the 2000. Video. Yes. Yep. And yeah, Bill yeah. Gates was just kind of smiling, you know, like, like he knew something that everyone right. else didn't. And he's like, yeah, this is going to be the place where everybody gets all their information. <laughs> This is, is everyone's going to get all their information. And Dave Letterman's like, sure. Yeah. Okay. Yep. buddy, Right. And now here we are. You no, can't, can't live without survive it. without being a no. part of the internet. You're on it for hours a day. Yeah. yeah. You have to. Mm-hmm. And so now we're at a point where, you know, crypto metaverse, NFTs, whatever, all of that is the new internet. Right. And so eventually you're going to have to be a part of it. So you might as well choose to be a part of it rather than be forced into it when you you won't be able to you know capitalize as much on it right and you so do your research understand look into it. it like the, understand the it quicker yeah. you understand it the more you gain to to benefit from it right is that you're still early that's the thing is that people think a $50,000 bitcoin is high but it's not it's still it's not. early it's still in the adoption phase it's still people are the government hasn't even gotten on board officially yet. So even though they own early. $3 billion dollars worth of yeah, Bitcoin. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but you're still early. So think about that, consider that and just start doing some of your own research and get, and get in, get in, get excited. This what, is the future. What is the FTX? Here we go. What is the FTX? You win. Yeah. You win. You win. Get yeah. in. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, that was our, that was our top 10 list. Um, Thanks for tuning in this year. We will have plenty more to come in the, in the, in 2022. Um, so stay tuned. Yes. Yes. All right. Let's get to our last chart of the year and see what's in store for next year. All right. Let's take a look at these Bitcoin charts right now. We are trading just under 46,000. Uh, if we zoom in here, we can see that it is on this support level has been for the last couple of weeks, right around that 46, five, 
So we're teetering on the edge. Um, the other thing to consider is that this 200-day moving average in purple, we have closed two days below, and it's possible we close the year below the 200-day moving average, which isn't great. I would love to see it hit 48 before the end of the year, but only got a couple hours left, so not too likely. If we do decide to break our support, then the next stop is going to be in the 40 to 44 range. Um, not too exciting, but that's what I'm looking at for a buying opportunity. If we do break the 40, then 30 is in the cards again. Um, it's certainly a longer waiting process, which isn't fun, but the market is maturing. So don't get too bent out of shape if we do end up going down a little bit. The gains were huge this year. So a little more correction is not a terrible thing. In fact, it makes the market look better in the long run. So once again, be patient. Don't panic. Just consider adding more to your positions if it goes lower. If we do decide to hold the 200-day moving average, then the next stop would be 50K. If we can break 52K, then we have 70 in our sights. So that's the positive. Negative 30, positive 70. Hang in there. It's a potential rocky beginning of the year. We'll see how it plays out. All right, let's go into our dollar cost averaging. This week, I have IOTA, IOT. It has been grinding for a bit and has some upside potential next year, waiting for a parabolic move on IOTA. Next, we have Band Protocol. Band Protocol is at the bottom. It's been uh, right around $5. Um, now, you may be looking and saying, hey, here's a head and shoulders pattern. Um, you know, if we look left shoulder, head, right shoulder. The only issue with that is the level from $22 at the high, the top of the head, and the bottom at $5 is more than it could possibly crash. So that invalidates that head and shoulders pattern. So you don't have to worry about it. Next, we have XMR, Monero, seems to be forming a double bottom here. It is moving up. It's actually up 1% today when the rest of the market is down. That's a good sign. And Monero has a lot of room to grow as well. Looking for a parabolic move at some point. That's it for the charts, gang. We are the Bit Bros. Remember, we are not licensed financial advisors. All content is intended for educational purposes only. Do your own research and only risk what you're willing to lose. We'll see you next year. See you next year. Thanks for tuning in. We really appreciate your support. And if you could please share with your friends, if you like our content, you think they could gain something from it and uh, like, and subscribe, make a new year's resolution, maybe to do a little bit more research on this. It only takes 20 minutes a day um, of dedication to, to learn something new in a short amount of time. So thanks for tuning in. 